We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Find a bank that doesn't flag you for holding. In fact, they'll reward you for it. Just don't tell the refs. Earn 1.75% annual percent yield on your monthly balance with a high interest checking account at Emprise Bank. Visit EmpriseBank.com, member FDIC. So appreciative of them, what they have done to make KC Sports Network what it is. And I'm excited to be talking to my dear pal. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, what is good with you, my friend? You know, I think everything is. Um, football has started as of when we were recording this. So, I mean, we have the Hall of Fame game has officially kicked off, probably a little bit past halftime now. So that's good. That's good news. And outside that, I'm kind of at a loss. Spoiler, those watching on YouTube already know, Craig Stout isn't with us. You know, we'll let him get into that when he feels like it. Nothing is wrong. Everything is going well. He tweeted it. Okay. Well, Craig has welcomed a new member to his family. So he's not here. He's getting some family time in, well-deserved. But selfishly, nice talking, Matthew. I don't <laughs> know what to do now. Because this is where I would heap praise upon that glorious bald head of his. And he's not here. And I have nothing nothing to do with my words. I could compliment Kent. But like, eh, I don't know about that. So I guess we're going right into football, right? I guess. Thank you. Compliment wouldn't kill you, Matthew. I said that Craig had a glorious bald head. I don't know what else you want from me. That's a compliment. You know, sometimes I need some words of encouragement. But that's okay. You know who might need some words of encouragement? Some of the guys that are injured right now in Chiefs training camp. And I think that's worth talking about, especially a couple of these guys we'll get down the list. There's a few didn't practice some injuries today. Willie Gay out with a concussion. Kind of a bummer, killing his momentum. We'll get to him in a second. Alex Okafor with a hamstring injury, DeAndre Baker with his old injury, kind of, you know, just, you know, he, he, he had a pretty devastating knee injury or leg injury last year. So, you know, and then Mike Rimmer's back. So there's four guys we probably just need to talk about in their situation. We'll start with Willie Gay, a guy that largely has had a fantastic camp. He's really made a lot of strides, but now this concussion slows down some opportunities here for him, Matthew. It's a bummer to see, you know, that, that Willie Gay momentum slowing down a little bit. It is. And the big thing with Willie Gay is I think outside of Chris Jones, he might be having kind of just the most impressive camp 
to this point for the Kansas City Chiefs defense, especially. It's hard to say because Pats just came on. It is just training camp, so you really won't get to see anything until games start going on. But he looked like he's improved. He's been flying all over the field. He looks like the most dynamic linebacker on this roster right now. So not having him out there, I do think, is something that you could tell, just watching the speed of the other guys. If I remember right, though, when he did leave practice, not this most recent one, but the one before, he came back in after a little bit, right? So he, I think he did anyway. So he must have passed the initial concussion protocol before circling back around to it. I don't think it's anything to worry about. But like Kent said, I do think it's, you know, not concerning, but a little unfortunate that you don't get to see him just kind of continue on a steady increase just in terms of his caliber of play and everything going forward. Yeah, he's been making plays. He's been making real plays. And I think that's what's kind of just a little bit, you know, it's not it's not a end-all, be-all or anything like that. It's not, you know, doomsday, but it's just, you want a guy, especially a guy that needs every rep he's going to get, needs every opportunity, you know, to to get on the field and, and you know, get those reps. You're, you're, you're hoping he gets them. And now just a little setback. There's just, It kind of feels like there's been a little bit of, you know, some minor setbacks here and there for some guys. And Willie Gay now falls into that category, unfortunately. Alex Okafor, the other one, or one of the other ones, hamstring issue. This is something... I believe that kept him out for an extended period of time last year, Matthew. I believe it was, yeah. And Alex Okafor, very unfortunate. He's got a lot of talent, but he's a guy that really has struggled to stay healthy throughout his entire career. So it's just been hard for him to string together not even years of good production, but sometimes even weeks or months throughout a single season. So, And unlike Willie Gay, I do think there are guys that are coming in that are going to be taking snaps away from Okafor essentially while he won't be able to go out there. I don't think he has a ton to prove in training camp, but guys like Mike Dana, Joshua Kane, though, like these are other guys that are going out there and taking his reps and they're looking pretty good too. Whereas on the other hand, like Willie Gay, who we started with here, I don't think there's anybody else really chomping to come take his job away from him. He's clearly the most athletic, dynamic linebacker. There's no one to replace him. Okafor, on the other hand, does have to look over his shoulder a little bit, I think, as long as he's not out there practicing. I think the thing about Okafor watching him in the, in the opportunities we got to see this weekend is there's nothing exciting, overly exciting to write home about. It's not like he's anything different than what he's been. He's just a steady known commodity. He's a guy that knows the defense. But even in the last two years, he's only played, you know, he's played 10 and 11 games respectively in the two years that he was with the Chiefs. Injuries have hampered his career uh, pretty much his entire, you know, time in Kansas City. He's actually played a complete 16 games once in his entire career. So this is kind of par for the course with Alex Okafor. It's kind of unfortunate. Um, I don't know if there's anything overly dynamic about him, especially the aging version of him, but having a guy that can do all those things that knows what he's doing, requisite length, size, you know, those things have enough value to be on the 53-man roster. I would anticipate he will be, barring anything, you know, unforeseen. But, you know, it's it's just, you know, he, he kind of is what he is at this point, but... You, you, you don't want to see it this early. You don't want to see it happening this early. You want him to be part of the rotation, at least. And I think that's what you're kind of just like, oh, great. Here we go again. DeAndre Baker, well, though. Well, for oh, Okafor, yes, it's, yeah, I was just going to say, it's just not concerning, but something worth monitoring that this is a guy that signed really late. He wasn't there for the voluntary kind of even the voluntary OTAs and stuff like that. And I'm not saying he wasn't getting in shape himself. He looks very much in shape. He looks like a guy ready to go out there and play. But he wasn't with the team, you know, all offseason doing all of their conditioning stuff and things like that. And then he immediately comes back, 
has another tweak of an injury, something that has crept up before in his time with the Chiefs. It's just not a good start to a year where he does have a fair amount of competition, whether you want to talk about Chris Jones sliding out there, some of these young guys improving. If From a Chiefs perspective, I don't think it's a huge loss, but just from his own personal playing time and kind of future, I do think this could set him back in terms of how many snaps he might see early in the season for the Chiefs unless everybody else kind of starts to falter. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. DeAndre Baker's really in a, a heated battle right now, trying to get the opportunity as the number three cornerback uh, is is really what it kind of boils down to because Legereus needs to play in that inside-outside role. But DeAndre Baker's old injury, really he's broke broke his femur week 17 against the Chargers. And, you know, while just kinda, running. Sound, while, yeah, just while just running. running. And this kind of sounds like it may be maybe a little bit more, not maintenance, but just precautionary with DeAndre Baker. I think so. I think it was just the general concept was they've been working pretty hard. Maybe he was a little sore. I didn't hear the full story on this, but maybe he was getting a little bit sore or maybe it was a scheduled day off. I don't know exactly how it was worded, but this very well could have been a scheduled preset kind of day off in terms of his recovery. First day after pads, maybe they, you know, just in case he's taken a couple hits or something to it or anything like that. Either way, until you get more information, I wouldn't be worried. The way it was phrased from what I remember was just essentially about maintenance, about getting some rest. And he is very much in this competition for that third cornerback spot with Mike Hughes. So anytime he's out does hurt him a little bit. But if this is just one odd practice here and there, I don't think it'll matter too much. Well, Baker's a lock for this football team. I think he's very much established himself. Um, I think he's very much earned the trust of this coaching staff because they've very much put him in the mix to start or, I mean, well, effectively start. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, they've effectively put him in a situation to start because three cornerbacks are going to be on the field the vast majority of the time. Um, DeAndre Baker, he, you know, there was some, I think there was a little bit of, you know, let's wait and see what happens when we get to training camp. Let's see what kind of opportunities we've got here for him. And, you know, a little bit of a mystery because he is coming off an injury. You know, there is enough in his past where some people might have been a little bit concerned about whether or not he was going to be able to hold up. There was issues before some of his, you know, legal issues. Uh, he had issues with the Giants before that, too. So it looks like the, I think the good thing is, is stepping away here and Baker missing some time. It's a time to say, hey, look, this team trusts him enough to throw him in the mix as a starter, as a potential starter. and it's a bummer that he's, you know, getting, you know, has an injury here. But I think overall, maybe not the highest ceiling player, but a steady 53-man roster NFL corner is very much in his range of outcomes right now, Maddie. And it is. And I think you've seen some reason to kind of think that he might be progressing to that point. You've seen some stuff that makes you wonder, you know, if if he's ever going to return to that player that was worthy of a first-round pick. And I'm not saying that's because of an injury, just the transition from college to the NFL. But he's a guy that fits a specific profile that the Chiefs have liked to use, especially for outside corners. He has does have some talent, as he's shown throughout his time with Georgia, down the stretch with the Giants before he got there. So he is in a position with the Chiefs are in a position with club control over him that if things do start to pan out, they will have another guy similar to Charvarius Ward that they got essentially for cheap that they have club control over for a long time, who is essentially going to outperform whatever his contract says up until that point when they have to finally decide to pay him or let him walk in free agency. So would you as a fan, the team is rooting for Baker to kind of return to his highest self he can be. If that takes a couple days of taking time off of an injury during training camp, so be it. I believe the Chiefs can have DeAndre Baker under club control for three seasons, this season and two more. 
yeah. uh, because he didn't meet any requirements last year. The last injury we want to talk about today, Mike Rimmer is kind of a big one. He was the big one. Well, he it is the big one. It's a back issue, and he was pretty well established as that right tackle before the injury, Maddie. He was, and I don't think the back injury is a significant injury in itself, but he's also a 300-plus pound human being playing offensive line. Back injuries don't just go away. As you know, the age-old saying, nobody ever had a back injury. It doesn't just disappear. He's going to be dealing with it at all times. Mike Rimmers played well for the Chiefs in spots at right tackle last year, especially down the stretch, but it wasn't like you're starting with a guy that was playing at an all-pro level that might regress a little bit. I don't think Mike Rimmer's particular level of play can withstand a drop back because he can't move as well or because he's in a little bit more pain than he may have been last year. He is a guy that I do think that you need to be playing him at 100%. And if he's not there, it's going to be interesting to see what this offensive line looks like. No, for sure. And I mean, Rimmer's is a guy that knows the, you know, knows what this team wants to do. I mean, and he's the most familiar of all five of those guys up front for this football team when he's, you know, in the mix. Like, that's what we don't talk about. The other four guys are kind of getting acclimated and used to a new offense. I mean, Mike Remmers is the guy that knew it, you know, knew what this this organization was about more than the other four. So he could have been a bridge in some ways. But now we're kind of looking at him and, you know, I, you know, we're going to talk about guys improving here in a second. I'm going to talk. I actually wanted to throw one out there here after we talk about Remmers because I think there's a guy kind of in now. And I, you know, the guy I saw earlier in the year, you know, earlier in training camp this weekend, but I think he's had a pretty good week. We'll just start right here. I'm going to throw this one in there, Maddie, because I just decided to. Guys improving. I think Lucas Niang's starting to get a little bit more acclimated to this game. And I think early on, it was pretty rough. And I'm not saying it, it, it hasn't been, it really hasn't been perfect the entirety of this, you know, this, you know, this training camp. But I do think he's starting to make a little bit more improvement and a little bit more adjustment, especially, you know, he's getting those opportunities at right tackle. Um, he is, I think he's trying to make the most of it. And, and marginal improvement is valuable here. I definitely don't think he's been the same as the first day I saw him trot out there or even the first he got better from the first day of pads to the second day. But I do think at this point, in terms of since we were just talking about Mike Rimmers being the starter, I do think it looks like there's a relatively significant drop off from Mike Rimmers to Lucas Niang. And you can't take, you can't say that definitively from training camp. So I'm not trying to say there's no chance here, but Lucas Niang looks like a rookie that probably needs to spend some time but on the bench, learning how to play the NFL game a little bit better. I think there's a lot of issues with his technique. And then you add on the fact that he's probably not an NFL caliber athlete yet. He doesn't, he's not have the strength or the conditioning that a lot of other NFL players are going to have right now. I would be a little worried for him having to step in for Mike Rivers from what we've seen so far, but he's trending the right direction. He has looked better from day one to day six, I think we're on now. So he's gotten better during that time. That's what you want to see. You want to see a guy listening to coaching, taking to it, and starting to improve his game because of it. That's really all you can ask for out of any of these guys at training camp. But I do think Niang is giving you kind of some headway in that direction. First day I was there, I think it more speaks to how far he's come. Because the first day, oof, he had a rough day. I mean, he was late getting off the ball, and feet looked heavy. And they still look, I mean, they, they still look a little heavy. But I think just the fact that, you know, Getting thrown into the fire a little bit, I think, has helped him acclimate. And I think it's been valuable because early on, it was it was a struggle. And I'm not saying it's I, I, 
to Maddie's point, like I was saying, it's not been perfect, but I do actually think I've seen improvement over the last six days. And that's something you want to see from he hasn't played a ton of football in the last couple of years. And so getting some, you know, a little bit of growth, marginal growth every day. If Mike Remmers is, is, you know, going to miss significant time, you know, maybe Lucas Niang by the end of camp is playing more capably. And some of his reps, even his good reps are a little bit more just, you know, he got the job done. And, but maybe by the end of this camp, there's some marginal, there's the continual marginal improvements going to make him more playable. And I think that's what you kind of got to aim for here. Jaron Reed, since the camp or since the pads have gone on, Maddie, I know he's a guy you really wanted to talk about. Yeah, I think before pads came on, Jaron Reed wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it's kind of hard for defensive linemen, especially a defensive tackle, to really show off until the pads get on. You're not really allowed to hit a ton. It's all just kind of about hand fighting and you know where your body location is. So I don't think it was great, but then the pads have come on. And I'm not saying, like we just said with Lucas Yang, he's not winning or dominating every single rep, but he's looking good. There's been some plays where he's shown his ability to penetrate into the backfield. He's had some good pass rush reps. He's had some good reps where he's really holding his point of attack versus the run. He's controlling his gap. And then I think you've seen the Chiefs kind of flex him out a little bit to a three tech or even a four I to let him get a little bit more space to rush the passer from the inside. And he's looked very capable of doing so. So I think he's a guy that will look even better once live games start. Just right now, it was a real good thing to see the pads come on and his play kind of change, kind of become a little bit more dynamic, a little bit angry, a little bit stronger when you want to see a defensive lineman do that with the con, you know, kind of going full contact. Well, yeah, getting to see a little bit why this team has been so excited and why everybody that's been on a podium has gassed him up. I mean, the, the excitement has been palpable for this guy and it's exciting to see him starting to continue to make, you know, a little bit more improvement every day, kind of getting back into the swing of things. I mean, this is that familiar, this is getting back familiarized, getting back into the swing of things. There's a, you know, you don't want to overhype this this first week, but at the same time, you want to see you know the positive progression. And Jaron Reed's a guy that starting to come on a little bit. Uh, another guy that uh, a, a guy that's that's kind of coming on a little bit as this week has gone on is a new addition here in in uh, in Kansas City, Maddie. Yeah, Joshua Kendo is looking to make a splash with the Kansas City Chiefs this year. And you know who else is looking to make a splash in the Kansas City area? If you've listened to us, you know that's Macadoodles. Macadoodles is just the best, one of the most premier North American wine, beer, and spirits retail spaces. Right now, if you live in Kansas City, you got to make a little drive to get out there. That doesn't sound like fun. I don't live there, but if I did, I'd be disappointed. So if you're looking to an investor that's looking for a unique turnkey business or looking to get into the wine, beer, and spirits retail space, Macadoodles might very well be the franchise for you. They have the best selection around, and you are not going to find this level of customer service anywhere else. So help Macadoodles make the splash in Kansas City that Joshua Kando is going to try to do as a rookie. If you have any questions, you want some more information, make sure you contact Roger at info at macadoodles.com. Please join the Macadoodles family like Kando's joined the Chiefs family, and that way you can go out there, you can make plays on the field, you can make plays at home at your next big party. You got this, guys. Now, Kent, tell me what you've seen out of Joshua Kando that you like. Well, I, one of the plays I saw today that really kind of stood out to me is like the bend. I think, you know, there was a little bit more bend to him than I kind of remembered and a little bit more ankle flexion than I kind of remembered ability to kind of turn the corner. 
it's really i was really surprised by that and like I, he's always a guy that's been you know an uber athlete but you know i think the athleticism uh is kind of starting to take over a little bit maybe he's not thinking quite as much as he had you know earlier in the earlier in the week even you know like again once these young guys kind of get their feet wet, start get used to the program, you know, start a little bit more confidence in some of the stuff they're doing, the athleticism gets gets to start taking over. And Josh Kando's athleticism, I think, is starting to take over a little bit. And, you know, this is a guy, former five-star recruit, quality athletic profile, length, density. I think it might even have been you, Maddie, talking about just like I talk about how big of a uh, it was it was last night on our uh, on our live stream. I think you were, you know, looking at Josh Kando standing over there with that that length and density. I mean, this dude is tailor made to play in this defense and he's got a really quality athletic profile. One of the best athletic profiles out there at edge kind of seems like maybe starting to take over a little bit. As much as I would like to take the credit, that was our missing third musketeer that did point out Jonathan Joshua Kando on that uh, Twitter film breakdown. But that's it. I've said this from the get go. I think even at chiefs camp, Joshua Kando looks like he belongs on a football field. I mean, he looks like a guy you send off the bus relatively early (laughs) <laughs> and when you watch him move, whether it's drills, whether it's, you know, during the game, he moves well. He moves differently than a lot of guys. You can't watch Mike Dana do a rep and then watch Joshua Kane to do this and think that they just move the same. You can't think the ceiling is the same. This isn't a knock on Mike Dana, just as Kent said, Kando has one of the most ridiculous athletic profiles kind of going around right now. So here's a guy that has all this potential. You just want to see him kind of start to pull it all together. And it was slow to start camp. Before the pads came on, they were slowly working him in. He was mostly playing with your second, even your third team a lot. And I don't think he was dominating, but he was winning a fair amount. I just don't know if he looked great doing it. It took him a couple days before he really started catching people's eyes. But now with the aforementioned from earlier, Okafor's injury, he's gotten a few more chances. He's gotten to shine a little bit more, and it does look like he's starting to come on. And it's not just the one-on-one reps. It's I've seen some clips, seen people talking about it. He's blowing up some pulling guards in some team periods. He's getting in the backfield to make plays against the run. So you know he's seeing the game relatively well. And then it's just about taking that athleticism and translating it to a pure pass rush path versus just being an athlete. And there was a lot of, on tape, there was just a lot of football character to his game. There's a willingness to take on some of those block blockers, getting you know extra effort to to try to blow up some plays in the run game, uh, in the backfield, um, some of the blocks you know in, in college. Like that's something that you saw. I mean, he's a guy that gave great effort, that you know worked really hard to to make plays. Um, I think mentally it wasn't like I wasn't always you know it didn't seem like he was always processing everything super quick all the time. But, you know, it's good to see that he's kind of picking things up and earning some trust. Like, that's a really positive indicator for this guy. Because, again, you know, like we talk about the physical traits are undeniable. And I'm sure that he's going to carve out a role in some capacity. There is going to be a role for Josh Kando on this football team. You know, C. Spagnoli, I kind of think about when he was talking about Willie Gay last year. It was, you know, we put him in one package and then slowly added more, more, more packages that involved his skill set, involved him. I could see something similar with Josh Kando where maybe they, they start small with him early on and then, you know, slowly build that package up. It'll be curious to see, you know, how big that role gets over the course of the year. But it does definitely seem, Maddie, like he's kind of on the he's trending towards carving out a role pretty quickly for himself. And I hope you will, but you kind of look at this defensive end depth chart and I, it's going to be kind of hard to carve out a specialized role. I think with some of these other guys that they have around, because they have around a lot of specialists. It's not a lot of all around guys, 
but you have your Taco Charlton, your Alex Okafor, even with the Chiefs, has been a little bit more of a pass rusher than a run defender. Then you have Mike Dana as a run defender. Like, I think in a perfect world, the Chiefs have Kando kind of in that Tim Ward spot. Now, he's not going to be on the practice squad or he's not going to be injured. He'll be taking up a roster spot and hopefully be ready to play. But I think they would prefer not to really have to use him a ton until next season. But the thing is, Kando just already at this point has shown more than Tim Ward did as a rookie. He might have even shown a little bit more than Tim Ward has, you know, at any point in time right now, just because he does move better. He looks like a better athlete. He has a little juice. He has juice. He knows how to use his density and his length a little bit. I think he still needs a lot of work with it, but he understands that he's big. He's strong. He's got some length. He understands the process of using that. So I do think that if they have to play him in a pinch this year, or if they want to design a couple packages to get him some game, some live reps, I think they can. I just don't know without injuries, if you're going to see him really overtake Dana, Okafor, Taco Charlton. It sounds like Tershawn Wharton might work on the outside a little bit, according to Steve Spagnuolo, with him playing multiple positions. So there's just a lot of bodies that he'll have to jump over to get some playing time. I'm curious what it looks like between him and Charlton to some degree, because Charlton's kind of, it kind of seems like Charlton's had a pretty quiet camp and has actually been running with the threes at times. I don't know if they're still, you know, if he's still coming back from injury or something like that, but that could potentially be a spot where, you know, maybe Josh Kando eventually gets some of those reps. I did see a clip of Taco's um, skip cross chop, and it looked a lot better than it did against the Patriots when he kind of <laughs> got stuck in the air and jumped 33 inches straight up. So, but he's out there. He's still, I think he also, he had been working with the third team, but I have also seen him come in with the first team. So I think Taco Charlton's been all over the place. I would be surprised to see Kane don't jump him just at right now, right away. But not right now. Season no, goes not on, right now. Maybe he does because he's similar build, just a little bit more athleticism. So if he can get going, I do think that's a spot. Just the issue is I think Kando might be a better run defender and energy guy right now than he is a pure pass rusher. And I think the Chiefs seem to have a couple of those guys, whereas Charlton's kind of been one of the better, just pure pass rushers that they've put on the field lately. It's going to be fascinating how they utilize him. There's a lot. There's some athleticism. There's some legitimate juice. Um, it'll be fat. It'll just be fascinating to see how he fits in. I do think he'll eventually find, I, I do think he'll eventually carve out a role. All right, let's talk a little bit about Creed Humphrey because this is kind of been a little bit quiet on him, but uh, I think he's another guy that's made some improvements day over day, Maddie. Yeah, and his isn't necessarily that we can see with the mental side or anything in terms of like his athleticism. I just thought the first day, especially the first day of pads, and even without pads, there was a couple times where he looked like he was kind of catching up to the NFL strength or the NFL speed. You know, Tershawn Wharton that first day in pads beat him with quickness a couple times right off the snap. I think there was a couple plays where Derek Nottie definitely stacked them up on some run plays. But then you got to this last day in pads, it looked like Creed had an absolute excellent day. There's still been some highlight plays all the way through camp. But you go to the one-on-ones this past day of Creed Humphrey, you watch some of these team periods, he looks like he's starting to get a grasp over what NFL strength, what NFL quickness means. And once he gets that, you combine that you know, with all of his starting experience at Oklahoma, his natural athleticism, I think you will have a guy that is ready to play and play well early on. Yeah, I think he's you know done a better job crossing the face of some guys at times, better body positioning, you know, good displaying that grip strength, holding on well. Decent anchor. I mean, I think his anchors, but I, you know, Matt, we talked a lot about his anchor over the course of, you know, the last, you know, five months about him. And 
you know, I talked about him kind of getting better day by day at, at the senior bowl when we saw him and it was, it was everything. It was the whole picture. His anchor was a little bit better as, as the week went on. Um, he was, his body position was a lot better as the week went on. And I think we're kind of seeing the same thing during training camp. It's, you know, every day we're seeing a little bit more improvement that you're, you're absolutely right. Those adjustments that he's making, you know, every single day, stacking good days on each other. You're starting. I mean, I, one of the things is like, it, he's not glaring. He hasn't been, I don't think he's been particularly glaring this entire process. He, like when we were out there, it wasn't like he was sticking out like a sore thumb necessarily uh, too many times, uh, but he's just consistent. He's, just, he's been consistent. And I think that's really, I mean, that's super valuable right now. I think that's been his game. Like that's always, that was one of my holdups with the draft kind of evaluation of Creed Humphrey was I thought he was very steady. I just didn't see, I didn't see the peaks. There wasn't a ton of valleys either. I just didn't see very many peaks. And then he came out and tested like the best sinner athlete of all time. And I was befuddled by it. And I just always go back in my mind to those senior bowl practices where he had a lot of difficulty just holding his point versus much smaller defenders than he's going up against the NFL. And that was what Kent was talking about with we were concerned about his anchor. Somebody got into his ear or he got a, or he got on top of himself, his trainer, the Chiefs did. Somebody got in there and made said, hey, you need to be a little stronger. And he's held up well. First Derek Nani, first Jaron Reed. Like these are really big, strong guys. So Creed Humphrey clearly, you know, went out. He got better since whatever happened during that senior bowl week of practice. And it looks like he's getting better each and every day for the Chiefs. So like you're going to get that consistent play. And I do think if the Chiefs can get him out into space, you might see a few more peaks than he did at Oklahoma, where he was essentially used exclusively as a down blocker the last final season. We've spent a lot of time talking about Trey Smith, the offensive line. You know, this rookie class too. I think there's just a lot of positive signs. This whole rookie class, I think you're, you, we talk, we spent a lot of time talking about them. I mean, there's plenty of other guys. I think Nick, Mick, Mick Bolton's made some plays over the last couple of days too, as things have gotten a little bit better. I would like to see the entirety of it, but it's nice to see him making more plays too. Like there's some, there's some, just a lot of positive signs for a lot of players on this football team and the rookie class is, you know, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's looking pretty good here. This is why training camp season is the best. Everybody, no matter what team you're a fan of, you can be hyped. You can be, unless you're the Texans, you can be excited. You can be hyped up. You can feel good. And even if you're a fan of like the Chiefs, which are a good team, you can pick certain players that may not even make the roster. Not that any of these guys we talked about today won't, but you can just pick guys and come up with a good case that why you should be excited about them. I mean, we have spent way too much time in general, just talking about an undrafted free agent and Devin Key because he's been really good. Like we have everybody that's a Chiefs fan, especially Kent, I, Craig, we've talked a lot about Devin Key right now. And there's a chance once the season starts, he only ever plays on special teams. But what we've seen at him in practice, it's been a lot of fun for a guy his size and his ability. So like, it's just, you can be excited about anything and everything during training camp season. It's the second best part of the football season next to draft season. Bar none to me, you can miss me with anything else. Those are the two best times of the year. Well, it's an embarrassment of riches if this draft class turns out the way we are hoping it is. <laughs> I mean, think about this. You have the best player in the world, a very top-heavy roster, and now you're insulating it with a really quality-looking draft class. That's really exciting. And uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory. Thank you guys so much for listening, spending a little bit of time with us. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you to Emprise Bank for all they do. We will be back next week to probably talk a little bit more about training camp and the happenings there. We'll catch you later.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.